Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Friday Finance. And today I'm joined once again by Mason Thorne. Uh, how are you, Mason? Yeah, going well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Um, today's a very uh, interesting one. It's one where I can delve in a little bit back into the history books and um, talk about asset bubbles. And today we're going to be talking about um, you know how they form, where they come from, and maybe potentially assets that may be considered in regards to, uh, well, in regards to being a asset bubble. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you lead the charge on this one, Mason. But um, it's a it's a topic that we discuss, we um, learn about, um, and obviously try to identify as well too. But yeah, a asset bubbles. Yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting one. I think going a bit on the history, it's also may it may uh, it may bore some people, but I find it really really interesting. It's really good to look at these past events and how they relate to current events, and you can sort of apply different lessons and things. So, I guess a good way to start off would be defining what is an asset bubble. An asset bubble essentially is is when an asset starts to kind of grow at a significant level um, where they. The underlying value of that asset, yeah, is perceived to be at a much greater level than it than it should be, and um, you know I'm really trying to make it kind of simplified as much as possible. I'm sure there's a, a proper uh, definition, and Mason, please feel free to kind of jump in. But what we want to kind of uh, think about is these assets, um, and we can probably lean a little bit on history on on some of these, but um, it's a it's an asset where the underlying value is grown to such a substantial point uh, where it's considered to be like a bubble, where it's potentially able to, you know, able to pop. Well, that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty good definition. Like, yeah, bubble, pop, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, this is probably a bit of a loaded question, but why do asset bubbles burst and are there signs that we can detect that we so we know when it when it will burst. So potentially, can we can we time that? Yeah, I think I think when you're thinking about asset bubbles, you you have to associate speculation with it. Okay, so what you're seeing is that you're finding a lot of people speculating on that certain thing being you know bigger than it's than actually the underlying values are. Um, we're looking at the moment and um, there was a lot of concerns around the tech space in regards to you seeing the NASDAQ kind of come off um, as we currently speak in May 2022. I think it's off its tops at about 25 to 28% or something like that. And, you know, um, a lot of these companies have really high what we call PE ratios, so the price to actual earnings, okay? Um, and there's a lot of kind of speculation in in the in that tech space um, that they were just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And you know, it's not to say that the Nasdaq is in a bubble, but these were just sign- these are signs where there's a lot of speculation and not the fundamentals that's, that sit behind it. And I'm just using that as an example. Obviously, we can walk through history, and there's been many, many times when there's been asset bubbles. Um, you know, a lot of people at the moment are even talking about the, the property space as well too because when you think about property values, it's just this assumption that 
property is going to just continue to grow and grow and grow. And it's when this you've got this kind of fear and greed factor, and it's just when you've got so much greed, 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 and speculation that these are going to continue to grow that um, uh, these asset bubbles potentially form. That's a good point you brought up regarding the current property market. But I think a lot of people have been hearing from economists for the last probably 20 years. There's always been someone saying Australian property is in a bubble. It's in a bubble. It's in a mm. bubble. Mm. But it hasn't actually popped. Mm. And the, because the government loves property so much and Australians mm. love property so much, is this yeah. a bubble potentially that just won't burst because the government's not going to let it burst? Um. Listen, I think we need to be naive to say that nothing can ever, like nothing can never happen. Um, it's not to say that I'm also going to be here saying that the property market um, isn't in a bubble or is in a bubble. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm going to get into the point of speculating what is and what isn't. Um, I think what we need to understand is the fundamentals behind it. Yeah. Um, so when we look at the fundamentals in property, it's highly leveraged at the moment. So there's a lot of borrowing that sits behind it. But we're also seeing and considering that. Um, the income to debt ratio or the income to even value ratio in regards to Australia is at a, it is at a huge, huge level, okay? Um, but with any asset that the individual's buying, um, it's really around um, time horizons, risk tolerances, um, you know, what are we trying to get out of this, um, this, this transaction? I think the more assets that I'm more probably worried about are the ones that don't have the fundamentals at all sitting behind them. So when you, for example, are speculating on something like gold, for example, okay, you're speculating that the gold price may be going to continue to go up and let's say it skyrockets out the roof. The problem you've got is you're then also going into a greater full theory as well too. So at the same time, you're going that, oh, you know, this is going to be bigger next tomorrow. This is going to get, you know, higher price. This is going to be a higher price. And then you're just this bubbles continues to be inflating. And I'm just using gold as an example. And the reason why I'm doing that is because there's no there's also no income that's coming through. Now, when we're taught at uni what a, a value of an asset is, it's based on its future income, okay? So if an asset doesn't have an income, it's also not supported as well too and, and, and may hinder, um, or, or maybe, not, maybe not the words hinder, it will um, exacerbate um, an asset bubble if it doesn't have that. And we, we can look back at like the dot-com era, you know, where the, where the, where the tech bubble, bubble burst. A lot of these companies that people were investing in didn't have dividends. They just, they didn't even have profits. It was just on hope that this thing was going to be the next big thing. And when it came crashing down, it came crashing down because there was no underlying fundamentals. So... I'm more concerned about asset classes that don't have the fundamentals that sit behind them, okay? Um, because I think that the ones that generate a, an income will, I'm not going to say won't burst, but they will weather the storm a little bit better. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a really good point you make. It's a lot different between an asset produces income and one that doesn't because uh, at least mm. you'll always, or not always, but you'll generally still get that income even if the bubble mm. did burst. So it's still, yeah. it still is that value there, whereas if there's no income coming from it, mm -hmm. what is it now? Um, mm. So I guess I think another question for you, John, would be if let's say I've invested in something and the bubble has burst, mm -hmm. what's my next course of action? Is it 
do I do I write it out because it's, I've, I've taken this massive loss, or do you do you just yeah do you keep going, or what 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 do you think? What's the or is it, it, it one of the things where it's it depends? Yeah, listen, I love the word it depends because it really does, um, and it really is dependent on the individual's circumstances, um, and. I think the the biggest thing is that you've got to first and foremost go back to the rules of engagement as i call them okay um and if you've gone and if you're putting your money into an asset um that you're not willing to hold forever yeah or not willing to hold for at least a long long period of time you shouldn't be in it at all okay um and so i think where people get caught up is by being too heavy in one thing or the other but let's just say we're in a scenario where you're involved in an in a um in an asset bubble first and foremost i would hope that you know you haven't put all your eggs in one basket okay you would have been diversified and this is one of the reasons why diversification is so important um but i think the other one as well too is just uh, you know really gathering yourself and trying to stick through I, i i really hope that the asset has an income because mason when you're in a scenario where the where you've gone backwards you know a lot it really depends on the detriment of that that bubble bursting. You know, I, there's a lot of people that in the dot com era, and when I'm using the dot com as an example, you can use the the GFC as another one. It's um, never being too exposed, okay. And so, because if you are too exposed, let's talk. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Yeah, you're going to be in a bad spot. Yeah, and when you're in a bad spot, you're going to have to sell things you need. Okay. And when you go to sell things you need, you might be crystallizing your losses as they put in the investment world. But ultimately, you're you're selling stuff to, you know, that you shouldn't be selling. You know, some people have to sell their houses, you know, their roofs over their head. Some people need to, you know, liquidate, sell all their cars and, you know, liquidate everything they've got. And we talk about the stages of financial well-being, getting to financial freedom, which is the goal for most people. Um, but you're going to have to go, potentially, sometimes you'll go back. You'll go back to comfort or you'll go back to challenge where, you know, you're struggling to pay for the bill. So, you know, if you see yourself exposed too much in a particular area, um, you need to be looking at diversification. And listen, everyone, all the viewers and the listeners on here, I just want everyone to remember that, you know, this is general advice and, and we, we're not taking your personal circumstances into consideration. So please seek professional financial advice. But... You know, it's, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that scenario. And if I am in that scenario, I need to kind of batten down, do things better, learn from my mistakes, learn from my failures and pick myself up and keep going. Yeah, that's life. Life's not a straight line. It's a squiggly one. Yeah, that's 100 spot on. But I guess I think I think I can really um, emphasise with or emphasise with people because like when we see on social media things, we're seeing these people who have, I think Bitcoin's a real modern example of this, where they've just made such massive gains. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to fear or feel like we're missing out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you, if you're not on this ride, you can be left so far behind from other people. Mm-hmm. And this, this goes to NFTs and stuff as well. Like mm-hmm. People have made millions and millions of dollars from these things, from these tiny investments. Mm-hmm. So do you have any strategies to hold to hold us back from and to not fear these things? Like what mm-hmm. what's your to people yeah i think i think it's probably hard for me to relate to those investment decisions because mason obviously um i've been doing this since i was i've been in the industry since i was 14 so i'm, I'm very conditioned not to get into fear of missing out 
Um, and so I think is one of those things that I do appreciate that as humans, we chase shiny objects and we need to stop ourselves from chasing shiny objects and stick to the fundamentals. Um, you can, you can, um, you know, you can cheat to get six packs and abs and, and look really good, but you know, that's going to, that's going to be a detriment to your health in the long term. Um, and so to get results, there's usually work and consistency along the way. Um, people have always heard, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, okay? Um, and when it comes to wealth creation, there is no get-rich-quick recipe, I can tell you. I've read through the books. I've read through everything. I've gone through the scriptures of history um, in regards to investing, and I can tell you there's no get-rich-quick scenario. And um, even some people that you think are overnight successes are not. Yeah, you look at Elon Musk and you look at his story and you think about how far he's come and what he started from where he was. It's not an overnight success. Yeah, yes, he's become better at doing it um, because he's sticking to his game plan, um, but he's definitely not an overnight success. And then, you know, some people say, yeah, he dabbles in crypto. Yeah, look at the percentage that he's dabbling in crypto. Yeah, there's a difference between your core strategy and fun money, you know. Um, People go to the casino and gamble, yeah? There's a difference between gambling their house, yeah? Or, you know, gambling $50 or, you know, maybe putting a bet on the Melbourne Cup, yeah? It's, we need control. If you don't have control, you know, then, there, then there's issues. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, life is getting harder, okay? Um, you know, the cost of living is getting harder. Um, trying to succeed in life is becoming harder. I've been talking about for a long time about the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. So I can empathise with the people that maybe think it is too hard and then resort to these trying, like maybe get rich quick schemes or buying into these potential asset bubbles or buying into these FOMO orientated stuff. But really all you're doing is taking unnecessary risk, Okay going back to the game plan, going back to the fundamentals, going back to trying to build sustainable wealth for the long term. Yes, it's a slower burn, but you're not going to just get financially fit for summer. You're going to stay financially fit for life. I think, yeah, I think, I think that's a really sound advice. It's not, it's not a race by any means. Um, yes, the sooner we can get there, fantastic. But at the end mm. of the day, I, want, I still want, I want to get to the end. Mm. I don't want to risk myself not making it. Uh, I think those, I think these these investments can potentially wipe you out, unfortunately. Um, and we've seen it. We've seen it. So I think, I think what you mentioned there as well, it, I think it's a really good point, is potentially having a small allocation that can scratch its itch for you. So whether that's five percent of your wealth or whatever it may be, just a small percentage where you say, okay, I'm prepared to lose this money. Put it, put it in these, these investments, and then you can you can chat to your mates about. Oh, I've got a bit of money in Bitcoin. Mm. Bitcoin. I've, got, I've got oh, I bought an NFT with this, mm. just a little bit of money. That way, you're not missing out. But you're also mm. not exposing the house. You're not exposing mm. yourself too much to um it, to these uh, these things. Yeah, and, and for me, I'm pretty like pretty ruthless when it comes to like this stuff. And, and for me, it's just like you shouldn't be doing it until you build your core properly. Um, but, you know, like as well too, I understand that that's just the way I am. Um, in my personality, I'm 110% or nothing, yeah? But if you put $50 on something and you're earning $150,000, $150, that $50,000 isn't exactly going to, you know, 
um, isn't going to wipe you out by any stretch of the imagination, you would hope, okay? But in saying that, I argue the case about this, Mason, yeah? If you're going to put $50 on it, what's the chances is you're going to become an overnight millionaire? Okay, so it's a matter of what's the point, okay? What's the point? And for me, it's around making sure that you build your wealth to a point where you're at financial freedom before you start playing with anything, okay? Now, that takes discipline. That takes time, yeah? Uh, but that's the way that I've been conditioned, Mason. So, you know, there's some people that would appreciate the way that I go about things and there'll be others that, that don't, but we're not trying to build um, overnight success um, we're trying to build success for generations to come. So, uh, yeah, that's my view on it. Probably hear my bit, my bit of my my bit firmness, but you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles in my world. No, I definitely can appreciate that. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I think yeah, as, as you said, different different strokes for different folks. Um, you got to do what's right for you, um, and whatever whatever helps you stick to the plan. I think is is, is fantastic. Now, I think we've also gone over what asset bubbles are and what can potentially cause some things. But I think it'd be really good now to have a look in the past, see what's mm-hmm. happened in the past. And mm-hmm. with a bit of a bit of a hindsight, we can sort of look at these things and think, that was obvious. But mm-hmm. in the moment, mm-hmm. there, there's some amazing stories in the, in, mm-hmm. in the past. And I think let's go back to the 1600s. So we're going, we're going mm-hmm. a little way back now. Um, so this started in 1634. What's now known as tulip mania? Can you give me a bit of a background of what actually happened with with um this tulip story? Well, that's when I started in the industry. It feels like about about then, but no. Um, so tulip mania was um, the the Dutch were a superpower at that point. Um, they were off, you know, exploring the the country was in economic prosperity and um, people had money, and um, they got into their heads in one way or another that the tulip bulbs um, were the next big thing. They were the commodity of choice, okay? And uh, they kept on buying tulips and there was more different colours with different prices and then there was different, you know, uh, species of, of tulips that were worth more. And um, to paint the picture, the tulip bulb of choice, folks, the... the, the um, the grandest one, okay, was worth the same amount as 10,000 working days of a carpenter. So a carpenter would have to work 10,000 days to buy one tulip bulb, okay? Now, at that point in time, they did not think that was madness, okay? And... You can talk about a little bit of a greater fool theory because that tulip bulb, I can assure you, did not sprout out money for these people to live their lives. It was just based on another fool paying more money for that tulip bulb and more tulip bulb. And then all of a sudden, the greatest fool arises. He pays the highest price for the highest tulip and then believes that he goes to sell it or she goes to sell it at that point in time and the tulip bulb price is a little bit less than what it was previously worth. And then we go from greed to fear. 
And psychologically speaking, people actually feel more pain based on fear than they do on excitement of greed, okay? Greed sends you into this excitement mode where it's euphoric, but when it is fear, it's like this survival mode. You will do everything and your brain is playing games with you, okay? Um, Serious ones. And it crashed. It literally fell through the sky and where tulip bulbs were worth pittance. Now, guys, go have a look how much a tulip bulb seed is today at the local bunning store or whatever, yeah, and go have a look. That was in the 1600s. Now, we learn about this, okay, and people say, ah, what stupid idiots, you know, what were they thinking at the time, yeah? But unfortunately, Mason, as you know, this is not the only event, okay? This was just one, and you would think from an event like that that people would learn. You would think that, and it's funny that, like, how do tools relate to today? But these tools were seen as this luxury item that affluent could afford. But then what happens is the middle class then, oh, I want to to be affluent, I want to buy it too. And then the lower class does the same thing again. People will, imagine people borrowing money to buy flowers. Effectively, they're buying flowers. But it's like, well, that's stupid. We wouldn't do that today. But what are we doing? We're, we're borrowing money to buy luxury goods now. We're buying handbags, shoes, clothes, all this stuff with afterpaying things. We're doing the, we're doing the same thing. In a, yes, it's in a different way, but we, so we haven't really learned our lesson. Like we're, we're still relatively the same people. Just, it's just a different, different thing. A hundred percent. And guys, to put some numbers around this, just so everyone knows, let's say a carpenter was worth, uh, his salary was uh, he's so just so you understand if his salary we'll just do this for a second because I just want to work out the numbers so people can put some things around this yeah um, if a let's imagine that the carpenter worked every day which is going to be the case but maybe back in the 1600s yeah just so people understand they were paying approximately 2.2 million dollars for one tulip bulb like in today's dollars like guys um it's now it's laughable, but that's what it was back then. Okay. Um, but Mason, I think, I think the other one as well too, that I want to talk about today is around the South Sea bubble. Um, it's one that fascinated me um, when, I, when I was learning about it and I love my history. And I think that one of the reasons why I did this and, and Mason, when was the South Sea bubble? Was it the 1700s? I can't remember. It was, it was. Yeah. 1720s, so about a hundred years after this tulip mania. So yeah. Yeah. We haven't quite learned, did we? Um, so because it was so interesting, exactly on that point, it was about 100 years later. So you know, maybe not people that were living back then, but it would have been essentially stories that were passed on to that next generation, okay? Kind of like a World War II scenario now, yeah? And um, there was this company called the South Sea Company, okay? And essentially they were a, a like a, a shipping. They were in like regards to the, the shipping. And um, why it fascinated me the most is because one of the, early investors in this company was Isaac Newton, okay? Now, why is this fascinating? Isaac Newton goes down as one of the most intellectually kind of smart humans to ever walk on this earth, okay? He could measure the gravitational pull between planets and stuff like that. Like, this guy was just, like, next level in regards to his thinking. You know, he's talking about, you know, 
we don't even need to get into his his CV, but you can just imagine this is one of the smartest guys in the world. Anyway, he invested in the South Sea Company early on, okay, um, and he was full of um, full of optimism. He he had confidence about him, and he would go out and pretty much say like. This is pretty easy, yeah. Um, I can kind of, I can measure the, you know, gravitational pull of the planets, and you know, I can kind of figure out what's going to happen in the stock market. You know, he was everything about him. And um, think about if you're the local person, or your governments, or you're even affluent people. You've got Isaac Newton there talking about this company, and everyone's jumping in. Yeah, everyone's jumping in, and um, he uh, he rides the wave up. Yeah. And uh, he sells, yeah, and he sells pretty much at the top. Um, and he's all got all confidence about him. And just so you understand how high the price got, I'm going to give you another one to make it relative. Relative. So the South Sea Company stock at its height was worth for if it was the same price as if 42 maids, yeah, worked for 10 years, they'd buy one share. Okay, so 42 humans would have had to work for 10 years to buy one share. Okay, now sells and goes, oh my gosh, have a look at me. I am an absolute superstar. I'm an absolute ninja at doing this stuff. Okay, but then a few months later, goes nut. Price starts dropping a little bit, jumps in and buys some more. Okay, puts this time, rather than putting what he did do, put everything, all of his earnings into it. And literally put everything that he had into the South Sea Company. And guys, alarm bells, yeah? Diversification, overconfidence. There's a whole of a lot of stuff going on at the moment, okay, in regards to this guy. Um, and sorry about the talking in the background. I'm actually doing this at uh, a hotel today. But um, anyway, we get into it. We get into it. And um, he so he puts all everything in there. And then all of a sudden, the price falls completely to the point where I'm pretty sure later on that South Sea Company was declared bankrupt and Isaac Newton was broke. So we went from a guy who was changing the course of history forever to a guy that got overconfidence. The world followed him. You saw what the stock price did in regards to the South Sea bubble. Thought he could, you know, speculate once again overconfidence, doubled down on his investment and literally lost everything, okay? Yes, he did recover some, but nowhere near where he was worth. And, um, you know, Isaac Newton pretty much, you know, passed away um, much, much broker than uh, than he could have been, okay? So only 100 years later after the Chulabania. Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's quite an quite a extraordinary story on the South Sea bubble. I think it's I think it's important to note too. We've got to think this is back in 1720. So this is very early, early days of the stock market. So there's no massive amount of research on financial theory or financial journalism we get every day with just checking stocks and things. This is very early days. So you've got to imagine these people thinking, what has actually happened here? Like people have been wiped out. You can imagine the, the amount of conspiracy theories and witchcraft and things of these nature people are, are, are blaming this on like yeah. it's just you, I, I, you couldn't even imagine what was yeah. going through their heads at this point in time there was hysteria on the streets like literally these were the days where share certificates were issued in paper and there was hysterics in the streets and 
And um, but it's a but it's a learning once again. You know, this only happened a hundred years later. Now, it's not the only one. Okay, it's only not the only two. Um, and Mason, there's there's more that we can go through. You know, you think about the tech bubble. You think about you know the GFC even. You know, the property market in regards to in regards to the US um, in in the US and and they keep on happening. And guys, they will continue to happen again. You know, you talk about, you know, the ones at the moment that may be considered. You think about cryptocurrency. You think about NFTs. You think about this. Now, people on here or viewing or watching might say, John, you're crazy, you know, traditionalist or whatever. I'm just saying, no, nah, this is, I'm just making people aware. You know, um, you look at property market, you look at the stock market, both of those can form. Yeah? You can form off one particular stock. Have a look at the South Sea Company. You know, it's it's asset bubbles form where there is greed, um, there's euphoric situations around it, and the fundamentals do not stack up. Um, this is why a few things we need to always consider is never put your eggs in one basket. Okay, you hear me say this all all again, you know, making sure that, you know, you've got good cash reserves before you do things and and making sure you know what you're investing in as well. You know, um, the, both of those, if you look at the scenarios, people were investing at where they had no understanding about what they're investing in. And if you don't know, don't do it. Like simple, yeah? Um, even when it comes to professional advice and seeking professional advice, these people who have professional advice aren't. They don't have fortune-telling ability, yeah? So, you know, you'll hear me and Mason talk about making sure we are investing things we know, yeah, and also investing with diversification. Like, even for me, I have no real deep understanding about how some of these called asset classes work, okay, to the point where I would be, you know, fund them, like being able to invest in it. There's other people that have a great understanding about that, um, but it also doesn't mean because you've got a great understanding you know, yeah. Isaac Newton had a great understanding, thought he knew, yeah, but didn't. So we've just got to be very, very cautious. Um, and, and this is why diversification is so important and, uh, and knowing what you're doing. I think that's a, really, that's a really great summary. And it's funny, it's like when we look at these bubbles and things over the past, there's one common denominator and that is humans. We're the common denominators. The assets change, these sort of things, but we, we remain the same. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. If you compare the chulip mania price graph to mm -hmm. the bitcoin price graph from i think when it sort of really dipped in value i think it was 2017 you mm -hmm. compare those two graphs and they're nearly identical it's quite amazing it's like how could this possibly be it's it's the human emotion roller coaster that's exactly mm -hmm. what it is and and the dot coms and the dot coms are the same yeah you think about the nasdaq the nasdaq nearly wiped off 75 percent of the value like in the in the in its, in its crash yeah so these um these bubbles do form um, and they happen. Like you look at the US property market during the GFC and you look at that graph, yeah? Um, same scenario. So yeah, Mason, bang on. Incredible, it's incredible. I think I think a good way to probably round this out is just to, just to, like when we when we are investing in things, is it, we gotta ask ourselves some questions. Like am I investing in this because other people are investing in it? And like following the crowd or is this part of my long-term strategy? I think that's a very easy way. You can go down one or two paths and that way you can sort of avoid making these mistakes. That's not to, that's not to say 
investing to your plan, you're never going to see losses because mm. you will. But you're not going to wipe yourself out, overexpose yourself, think you know more than the market, be overconfident. Following the crowd is not always the best thing to do. Mm. That's that, that's exactly right. And I think I think the other one as well too is re- realising what you're doing it all for. And at the end of the day, most people I speak to want to be in a position where they've got passive income that, that exceeds their lifestyle requirements. And is this contributing to it or is it hindering it? And ask yourself truthfully, truly the question. And then when you think you know, ask someone else to prove you wrong. Now, I do this all the time. Um, and Mason, unfortunately, you see it every day. You know, I'm always questioning the decisions we're making, trying to find where it's wrong, not where it's right, where it's wrong. Um, and by finding out where it's wrong and having contradicting views and listening to those contradicting views, you become better as an investor, you become better with your wealth creation because you're questioning it. You know, how many people in that Shula mania actually questioned and said, is this right? You know, should we be doing this? You know, is Shulab's the best way to be doing this? Yeah. Um, and the craziest thing out of it, Mason, is a lot of people lose a lot of money and they're usually the lower social economic people that lose a lot of money. And a lot of people make a lot of money. Um, and if you want to look at it, uh, many of you may have seen the, the movie The Big Short or read about it. You know, have a look at Mike Burry, yeah. And um, in the global financial crisis, when everyone was losing money, he made an absolute mozza. And it's not to say that you're going to start shorting the market and all of that stuff. All I'm trying to say is this. Asset bubbles can be really detrimental for a lot of people and they can be really opportunistic for some others, okay? And uh, it's some people don't view it like that, but some people do, okay? And it's understanding when you don't have all of your eggs in one basket, you can be in a position where you're both, yes, you're hurting on one side, but you're getting opportunistic on or creating opportunities on the other side as well too. Yeah, I think it's a really great way to sort of end it there because I think that's, I think, yeah, there's any takeaway from today. It's just, yeah, just questioning yourself always and just, yeah, and asking for help, asking for advice. Um, I think that's awesome. I think that's a, if you want to know more, I think in, in, in a really entertaining way, The Big Shorts, it's a fantastic movie. They actually really explain how it all occurred and go into some really good detail. I think you don't have to be, you don't have to know everything to understand it. That's what they do really, really well. Um, so I think yeah, I, I think that's I think it's some great homework for people if they if they're interested. That's it. Um, so go as always, everyone. If you want to know more, feel free to reach out. Um, I hope you're enjoying these Friday finances. And next week we'll be uh, talking about another topic and deep diving into it as well too. But stay safe out there. Um, know your stuff. And uh, once again, thank you very much for watching and listening and uh, look forward to having you uh, listen or watch uh, next week on Friday Finance. Have a good one. See you guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. 
Tschüss.